All right, everybody, ready to get started on another week here. It is Monday, August 7th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. Do we have a choice? We have to start the week, right? <laughs> if, if you're really asking, then no, I'd like to get back in bed. The earth is turning and we got to keep moving here, Jill. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. I am Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. And Jill is trying to stop time. <laughs> Jill, I, I can understand why, though. I know you had a, you had a uh, fun weekend. We had a great weekend. So we went to the OAR concert, OAR and Goo Goo Dolls on Saturday night at Jones Beach. And Mosh, it was awesome. I have to say, I haven't been to a concert in a long time. Uh, we went with our friends, Randy and Barry. We just had a great time. Um, OAR was amazing. They played all of their really fun songs. They did um, a Billy Joel cover because, of course, they're on Long Island. So yeah, mandatory. they know their audience. Yeah. <laughs> they did a little Bob Marley. It was just great. It was a ton of fun. Jill sounds amazing. Uh, I I know, of course, a late Saturday night makes for a challenging Sunday <laughs> yes. with the kids. So I'm glad to have you recording here ahead of Monday. Um, I will say that belatedly, Alex and I on Sunday finally saw Barbie, the movie which was very enjoyable. And we have a little bit of a Barbie update for you later in the pod. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. But I do recall you kind of giving me a little flack for saying I was going to do a Barbie review two weeks after the movie came out. And so now you're about oh. <laughs> you're about a week after me. Oh, I'm 17 days late. I'm not doing a review, uh, but there are uh, ticket figure updates. There's news headlines. I'll leave my take out of it because uh, based on the ticket sales and the numbers they achieved this weekend, Jill, no one needs my take at this point. <laughs> Everyone's probably seen it. All right, let's get to some headlines here. Some new numbers out on how Americans feel about the presidential race after the latest indictment and what Mike Pence says about potentially having to testify against his old boss. The latest education debate over an AP class in Florida gives residents some whiplash and an alternative to the SAT that they're now considering in the state. The U.S. women's soccer shocker. It's their worst result in 30 years. The FDA makes history with the first ever approval for a pill for postpartum depression, although there are definitely some potential side effects. A sign of the times, even Zoom, now telling its employees that they have to return to the office. <laughs> Made a bunch of us do a double take this weekend, Jill. Like, it to Zoom? <laughs> Barbie hits $1 billion at the box office. Speaking of billions, you've got another chance to win a billion dollars this week. And Mosh has on this day in history. Some big sports history uh, for Nike, uh, as well as a little bit of Teddy Roosevelt and a side of Elton John for you today, Jill. Well, Mosh, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm definitely going to listen the <laughs> until the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with some politics here. A lot of developments over the weekend, starting with this new poll from CBS on how Americans feel about the race after the latest indictment last week, a couple of highlights. Half of the country believes that Donald Trump tried to stay in office beyond his term through illegal and unconstitutional means. That's why a third said that he was using legal means, and 20% thought that he actually had no intention to stay at all. 54% said that he tried to undermine democracy, while 20% said that he was upholding democracy. For most Republicans, these series of indictments are also personal, seeing them as an attack on people like them. That is echoing some of Trump's rhetoric on the campaign trail. 
And big majorities of Republicans think that the three indictments are an attempt to stop Trump's 2024 presidential campaign, while nearly nine out of 10 Democrats believe that the indictments are trying to uphold the rule of law. So, Moshe, if we needed any more evidence that we really are living in two Americas, here you go. Two Americas with two different sets of facts, uh, Jill. What's remarkable is that given these polar opposites, uh, you know, the Democrats seeing this as justice, uh, Republicans seeing this as an attack on them, uh, overall, when asked in a couple of recent polls, including one by the Times last week, uh, who are you going to vote for next year? Biden and Trump tied at 43 percent, 43, 43. Most my big takeaway there is uh, it is going to be a long 16 months until the election. Those numbers, they come as the Trump campaign this weekend called for a new judge in the election interference case. Trump writing on Truth Social that there is, quote, no way in all caps that he could get a fair trial with the judge that's assigned to this case. That is D.C. District Judge Tanya Chutkin. So he says that his team is going to be asking for a recusal, which would require that she step away from the case. Chutkin was nominated by former President Obama. She has previously ruled against Trump's efforts to shield evidence from the House January 6th committee. Notably, he's not asking for a different judge in the classified records indictment, which is currently being overseen by another judge that he had nominated to the bench while he was president. Now, in both cases, the judges were randomly assigned. But it is another social post that is getting even more attention. Federal prosecutors are asking the judge in the election case, uh, Judge Chutkin, to place former President Trump under a protective order, which would limit what he can publicly say. That follows a post Friday where he wrote, if you go after me, I'm coming after you, again in all caps, which prosecutors included in this filing to illustrate how Donald Trump is using social media to comment on ongoing legal matters. The filing said, quote, the defendant has previously issued public statements on social media regarding witnesses, judges, attorneys, and others associated with legal matters pending against him. If the defendant were to begin issuing public posts using details or, for example, grand jury transcripts obtained in discovery here, it could have a harmful, chilling effect on witnesses or adversely affect the fair administration of justice in this case. Yeah, they're worried that Trump is going to use his social media to intimidate potential witnesses like Mike Pence, which we'll get to in a second, uh, and using his platform with tens of millions of followers to threaten people involved in the case. A protective order would limit what Trump or his lawyers could say about the case. One already is in effect in the classified records case. Uh, right now, the Trump attorneys in this scenario are looking for a hearing to discuss this. Uh, clearly, he does not want to be limited in terms of what he can say, but they feel that that last post on Friday, all caps, if you go after me, I'm coming after you, can be seen as a threat uh, by a number of people. The Trump campaign saying this is the definition of political speech. He had a right to say this. Uh, he should not be limited in terms of what he can say. So that's something we're going to monitor here. Now to the witnesses, including former Vice President Pence, whether he will testify against him, uh, since so much of this case involves Pence's notes of what took place over two months there in the closing days of the White House after the election. On Sunday, Mike Pence appeared on CBS, and he did not rule out being a prosecution witness against his ex-boss. Uh, he says that he has no plans to testify but would follow procedure. He did not rule it out. Uh, interestingly, Trump's attorney, John Loro, that's the attorney of the many attorneys, is the one representing him in the election interference case, says he would actually welcome Pence's testimony. He argued, the lawyer did in a series of interviews on Sunday, that the actions Trump took, the asks were, quote, aspirational asks, 
protected by free speech. So again, speaking to the argument here about the Trump campaign, that this was all free speech that Donald Trump could say was just exercising his right to free speech between uh, November and January 6th. The prosecution, again, arguing, no, these were illegal measures. Uh, at one point in the indictment, they referred to a January 1st phone call where Trump berates Pence for not participating in his scheme, at one point telling Pence, quote, you're too honest. Uh, that is most assuredly going to come up in trial to imply that Trump knew he was doing something dishonest. Uh, with January 6th. Now, the Trump people, again, argue against that. Uh, Trump saying on Saturday that he never said too honest and said that Pence is delusional. Apparently, Pence is already selling some swag, some T-shirts, et cetera, that say too honest on them. For someone like Mike Pence, that uh, is the highest compliment. Okay, in other campaign news, one of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's most prominent donors told reporters on Friday that he would cut off funds to his 2024 campaign if he didn't adopt a, quote, more moderate approach. Robert Bigelow, who's the founder of Budget Suites of America, told Reuters in an interview that he explained to the DeSantis campaign that the governor really needs to shift his agenda to target moderates or he'll risk losing his support. He said extremism isn't going to get you elected. Meanwhile, Bloomberg News reports that there is major concern within the DeSantis campaign headquarters. Several aides believe that the Republican candidate's bid lacks a coherent strategy and message. Internal folks telling Bloomberg that the operation is disorganized with different teams pursuing their own agendas and little communication between groups. Keep in mind here that the DeSantis campaign is just over two months old, uh, probably about 10 weeks at this point. And he was you know, considered the viable challenger to the front runner, Donald Trump, still runs second in most polls, but typically by trailing him by 20 to 30 percent. And his numbers have been slipping, not growing since he entered the campaign. There's been a series of missteps, uh, a number of donors who are alarmed with his both his messaging and how much he's been spending. Uh, recently, he cut a third of his staff. He promised a reset. But uh, Bloomberg reports there is a sense of gloom in campaign headquarters. They're feeling pressure to turn things around. The first Republican debate, Jill, is just over two weeks away in Milwaukee. They're feeling pressure to turn things around and feeling a lot of pressure when it comes to his performance there. For those interested in learning about each of the candidates, we're going to begin deep dives over on the Mo News Premium Instagram account this week, where we'll be diving into their personal life, where they're from, the issues that they're emphasizing, their positions, etc. All that will be over on the Mo News Premium Insta account. We'll start to put together basically uh, deep dives on each one. You can join over at mo.news slash premium. We're offering a free 30-day trial uh, with the code Mo News Trial and uh, two months free if you sign up for the annual subscription. All right, Moshe, let's stay with Florida news for our next story. It was a weekend of whiplash for Florida high school students gearing up for their college-level advanced placement or AP courses this year. AP Psychology, one of the most popular AP courses across the country, has been the subject of the latest tug of war between the College Board, an influential nonprofit organization that oversees the AP classes and also the SAT. So this tug of war is between the College Board and the state of Florida. A day after sparring in public statements about the fate of the class, both the Florida Department of Education and the College Board released statements late Friday suggesting that the course will continue to be taught in Florida and that it will include a section on gender and sexual orientation, although there are still questions remaining here. Under Florida law, classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity for students in pre-K through eighth grade 
is prohibited in high school. Instructions allowed, but it must be, quote, according to state standards. It is a bill that Governor DeSantis signed last year. It is called Parental Rights in Education. Critics have called it the Don't Say Gay Bill. Earlier this summer, Florida's Board of Education urged the college board to conduct a thorough review of all of its courses to make sure that they were compliant with that Florida law. On Thursday, the college board effectively banned the course from Florida altogether, saying that it couldn't be taught in its entirety and meet Florida's education laws. The Florida Department of Ed fired back, accusing the college board of playing games with Florida students one week before school starts. Florida's Education Commissioner Manny Diaz Jr. saying Friday that he believes AP psychology can be taught in its entirety in an age-appropriate way. The College Board updated its statement to reverse its previous guidance that school districts should not offer the course. What, if any, adjustments will be needed to make it age-appropriate? Still unclear. Yes, this is subject of a lot of back and forth. Uh, Is the College Board actually going to change anything here to agree with Florida law regarding the education related to sex and gender in a a college level course about psychology? Or is Florida just effectively waiving its previous guidance because it was embarrassed here uh, with this whole thing? Manny Diaz basically saying, you know what, you can actually teach this course. Don't worry about it. Keep in mind, the people who take this course, typically ages 17 and 18, high school juniors and seniors, uh, AP classes are one of the most popular options for college-level courses at the high school level, uh, sometimes uh, letting you get a number of credits to uh, ensure that you actually don't have to spend as much time in college. Last year, nearly 30,000 Florida students took AP Psychology. Uh, and for a time last week, nearly that number were left scrambling uh, on what they would do as they begin school this year. So let's zoom out. This is not the first time the Florida Board of Education has taken issue with the College Board's curriculum for an AP class or any curriculum at all. Back in January, the College Board actually revised its curriculum for AP African-American history after criticism from DeSantis over lessons on reparations, Black queer studies, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Last week, we told you about Florida's new set of guidelines for how Black history should be taught uh, among middle school and junior high students, which includes instructions on how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Uh, And that has been a real hot issue. And so this AP psych debate that unfolded over a few days last week and still appears unclear as to what it will involve around gender and sex uh, is just the latest thing, Jill. And then there's another thing that'll come up in the next couple of weeks. Florida's fight with the College Board is now spilling over into standardized testing. You mentioned the College Board oversees the SAT. Well, now Florida is eyeing to be the first state to offer a third college admissions exam that's rooted in faith-based education standards. So this would be offered in addition to the SAT and ACT. It's called the Classic Learning Test, the CLT. It has about 120 questions, takes two hours to complete, and puts an emphasis on meaningful pieces of literature that have stood the test of time. The test has found favor in recent years among some conservatives as an antidote to what they believe is progressive influence in the SAT and ACT. Right now, it's accepted about 200 predominantly private universities. Uh, It's mostly used right now by homeschool students, private Christian schools and colleges, but that could expand. The Florida Board of Governors, which oversees the state's public universities, will vote later this month to decide if Florida will be the first public university system to accept the CLT. 
All right, we have a lot more to get to uh, in the podcast, but uh, first, I want to talk a bit about our sponsors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We talk a lot nearly every day about the importance of mental health uh, in the headlines, in our lives, uh, people facing major stresses, major decisions, uh, both professionally, personally. Well, talking to somebody about it, talking to a professional, can always help. There have been times, myself, where I've gone to see someone to work things out. Uh, I was initially nervous, but it really helped me get through some major blocks in my life, get clarity on things in my past, setting boundaries, getting a better grasp uh, for how I can move forward. And so we're glad to have BetterHelp as a sponsor here at Mo News. And they have right now uh, a special deal right now for the Mo News community. If you're thinking about starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched up with a licensed therapist. You can also change therapists at no additional cost over time. And so the idea here is let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash monews today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash monews. And now let's get to one of our longtime sponsors. We have talked about how we only want to endorse things on this podcast that we really love. And Bowl and Branch Bedding and Sheets is one of those things. We have had them in my house for about six months, and we have been loving them. Bowl and Branch makes their sheets with organic cotton and avoids harsh chemicals that are common in other brands. They're really trying to change the standards for good, and we're on board with that. One thing we should mention, Bowl and Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They are breathable, so they are perfect for the heat during these really hot summer months. So let's get to the deal right now. They're offering a special deal to the Mo News community. You can get 15% off your first order. Just use the promo code MoNews at BowlandBranch.com. That is BowlandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. That promo code again, MoNews, M-O-N-E-W-S. Exclusions do apply, so make sure you see their site for details. Time now for the speed read from the New York Times as the war in Ukraine grinds on. Fighting intensifies beyond the established battlefields. Ukrainian strikes on Russian ships in the Black Sea, waves of drones fired at Moscow, a Russian attack on a Ukrainian port on the Danube River near the Romanian border. It's been nearly a year and a half into Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And both sides appear increasingly ready to open a new dimension in the war, taking violence to people and places that have largely been spared until now. The attacks have come as Ukraine presses on with a counteroffensive in the south and east that it launched about two months ago, with no sign yet that Russian lines have been decisively breached. While Ukraine has been generally coy when it comes to attacks within Russia, President Zelensky has recently signaled that strikes over the border are part of a plan now stated explicitly by officials to force ordinary Russians to face up to the Kremlin's war. Yeah, so in just about two weeks, we'll be marking 18 months of this war, Jill, if you can believe it. Uh, And uh, unfortunately, it only looks like things are going to escalate right now. The Ukrainians asking for more weapons to go on the offense here, especially as the counteroffensive has not achieved everything they hoped it would in the last few months. So that's something to keep in mind here as we watch these headlines these next couple of weeks uh, and we mark 18 months of this war. Meanwhile, uh, this from Newsweek, Poland is issuing a new warning about the potential threat the Wagner Group presents to their country. The Polish deputy foreign minister saying over the weekend to CNN that the Wagner threat is very real and the forces have already attempted to attack Polish territory. Remember, the Wagner Group did their mutiny in Russia, 
they were then expelled essentially to Belarus, friend of Russia. Uh, and there's thousands of fighters there who were basically hanging out. But now it appears they're on the march here to Poland. Uh, there's a uh, area you might be hearing about in the coming months called the Suwalki Gap uh, that connects a piece of Russian territory with Belarus. Technically, every Russian has a visa to go through it. It's right there in Polish territory. And so that's the concern is, could these fighters just sit there in Poland? What would this mean? Remember, Poland is a NATO country, so it is especially concerned about this. So that is one of the critical things we're watching here, again, as things continue to escalate uh, with Ukraine taking the fight inside Russia. From NBC News, the FDA has approved the first ever pill specifically for postpartum depression that happened late last week. The medication is called Zeranolone, which will be sold under the brand name Zerzave. It's taken daily for 14 days. Postpartum depression is a condition that affects one in seven women after childbirth. In a pair of clinical trials involving women who experienced severe depression after having a baby, the drug improved symptoms like anxiety, trouble sleeping, loss of pleasure, guilt, or social withdrawal as early as just three days after taking the first pill. If approved, it will become the first treatment for postpartum depression that can be taken at home. The only other available option is an intravenous injection that the FDA approved back in 2019 that has more severe side effects than Xeranolone, and it takes 60 hours to administer in a hospital, which makes it very um, not practical for new parents. Yeah, we got a number of notes to the Monews account, Jill, from doctors, uh, from psychiatrists who treat postpartum depression, uh, celebrating this, saying that this is a major, major thing here, especially since this is the first medication specifically for postpartum depression that can be taken at home. At the same time, there are some caveats here. The FDA added a boxed warning to the drug's labeling, noting it can impact a person's ability to drive and perform other potentially hazardous activities. To reduce the risk of harm, they say patients should not drive for at least 12 hours after taking the drug, so they suggest taking it at night. At the same time, the trials here followed patients for about 45 days, but women who breastfed were not included in the trials, so it is not currently recommended for women who are breastfeeding. Also, it was not tested on women with moderate depression, just severe depression, so it's not ready for all the 400,000 estimated American women who experience postpartum depression every year. The FDA also listed a bunch of other side effects. We can link uh, to a longer article in the show notes, including dizziness, fatigue, a urinary tract infection, common cold. They also said it could potentially cause suicidal thoughts uh, in some people who take it, so they need to monitor that, uh, and also that women should be taking contraception while uh, taking the medication because it could cause fetal harm if the women are pregnant with another child. Jill, as you mentioned, uh, one in seven women experience postpartum depression in extreme circumstances. Uh, it does uh, lead, uh, sadly, tragically, uh, to suicide. That's why this has been such an issue uh, for doctors and the pharma companies in recent years uh, finding ways to address this. Moshe, I definitely had postpartum depression, probably pretty mild um, when you talk about some of these really severe symptoms. Um, but I, I definitely had that after my daughter was born about five years ago. So the fact that there's a pill that could help women who are going through this, I think is huge. Um, the breastfeeding part of it, though, is going to be difficult because there's so much pressure on women to breastfeed. I think in part, some of my anxiety and hardship after my daughter was born 
was because of breastfeeding and the pressure that I was putting on myself to breastfeed. Um, so that is a huge factor here that I, I don't think could be underestimated. Now, they don't know 100% that it's not going to be safe to take if you're breastfeeding. Right, because they didn't include them in the trials. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same way they don't really have data on most things for pregnant women, because who's going to want to be the guinea pig while they're, you know, while they're carrying a child. But anyway, I think a really important first step here. From ESPN, in their worst World Cup showing ever, the U.S. women's soccer team was eliminated from the World Cup by Sweden on penalties Sunday. It was its earliest exit ever, this time in the second round. The U.S. dominated the regular time on the field, but just couldn't find the net. The game was tied 0-0 after extra time, so it went to penalty kicks where Sweden won 5-4. to four. The U.S. has dominated the Women's World Cup for decades. The team had never finished below third place and took home the winner's trophy in four of the eight tournaments. But the team really struggled from the start this year. It won only one game in group play and barely squeaked into the knockout round of 16 after a lackluster 0-0 draw with Portugal. Longtime U.S. star Alex Morgan said that she was in a state of disbelief knowing that her side was going home without winning a knockout match. Morgan telling Fox Sports after that 5-4 loss in penalties to Sweden, I am just devastated. It feels like a bad dream. Yeah, there was a lot of anticipation here. Uh, they were hoping for a three-peat after winning the World Cup in 2015, winning the World Cup in 2019, going for a third straight win here. Ahead of the match, though, against Sweden, former U.S. team players like Tobin Heath, Christian Press, Carly Lloyd were all slamming this team's performance. Uh, Lloyd actually criticizing what she saw as the team's arrogance for actually celebrating after their tie against Portugal despite not scoring. It set off a nasty war of words between current players and past players, as well as other critics. The Team USA coach uh, saying after the loss Sunday that he's just devastated for the team. I see the players in tears. It hurts, he said. If I have to coach this and this team again, I'll do it all again. I love them all. They're my friends. Staying with a bit of uh, weekend sports news, Jill Simone Biles, in her first competitive event since pulling out of the 2021 Olympics, uh, made a triumphant return uh, to a packed house and claimed first place in a tournament uh, outside Chicago over the weekend. She's 26 years old now, and she finished in first place in the all-around vault, floor routine, and balance beam. When asked Saturday about her status about competing at next year's Summer Olympics in Paris, she said things are, quote, heading in the right direction. Which means I, for one, am very excited for Paris 2024. Yeah, that USA Gymnastics team uh, could include gold medalists from multiple games, Jill. It's going to be quite an all-star squad we're sending to Paris, hopefully. From Insider.com, it is the end of an era for working from home. Even Zoom now asking all of its employees to return to the office for the first time since the pandemic started. Zoom, which remains a leader in the post-pandemic remote work trend and whose technology hundreds of millions of people relied on to do remote work, is now asking that employees within 50 miles of the company office go in at least two days a week on a hybrid schedule. A spokesperson telling Business Insider, quote, we believe that a structured hybrid approach meaning employees that live near an office need to be on site two days a week to interact with their teams, is most effective for Zoom. Mosh, I don't want to make too much of two days a week. That is still the majority of the week working from home. Yeah, you can Zoom the other three days of the week. Um, Jill, uh, we put it to the uh, song Alanis Morissette, Ironic, over on the Instagram feed, and uh, the very talented Mo News community coming up with lyrics 
uh, for an updated Alanis Morissette to include this, somebody uh, writing the line, it's like Zoom in the same room. Anyway. (laughs) I thought that was humorous. Uh, Jill, they're very specific about the 50-mile thing. So I don't know if you're a Zoom employee. Uh, They have two headquarters in San Jose and Denver domestically. How many of those employees will try to move 51 miles (laughs) away from headquarters so they don't have to actually come in? Uh, Zoom, by the way, employs uh, 8,400 people worldwide. And just a year and a half ago, only 2% of its employees were working on site. But like many companies, even Zoom uh, believes that more can be done productivity-wise uh, by getting together with your colleagues at least a couple days a week here. Um, Jill, I was talking to somebody um, who works in this space who's saying that back to in-person work, basically normal back in uh, many countries around the world, is here in the U.S., where we seem to really be struggling with this debate about uh, in-office versus uh, work from home. And they hypothesize that part of our issue might just be the relationship that Americans have with vacation or lack of vacation. That it's very normalized to take vacation, take time off, you know, very long mat leave, very long paternity leave in most countries. In the U.S., you know, we had this wake-up call during COVID that we could work from home, and you know, the majority of Americans don't even take off all their vacation days, uh, and so they think the struggle we're having with going back to the office is really folded in, is uniquely American because it's folded into our larger workaholic nature. I totally buy that. Where it was all of a sudden the pandemic hit, and everybody realized what they were missing, how much time away from their kids they were missing, or just how much time they were actually spending in an office and commuting that maybe they didn't necessarily have to. So I I do buy that. Europeans are basically off all of August, have tons of vacation time, as you mentioned, have tons of time off when they have kids. So yeah, that that definitely could be a factor. 18-month maternity leave in Sweden, Jill. Okay, Mosh, so my son is almost 13 months, so I'll see you in five months. How does that sound? (laughs) (laughs) Go back. Go go back. We'll see you next year, Jill. Though just FYI, you know, we're, we're due over here in uh, in a few weeks. So uh, folks might be no, uh, no pod for you till next year. From the New York Times, in the history of Hollywood, 28 people have had the sole directing credit on a billion dollar movie. All of them have been men. Make that 28 men and one woman, Greta Gerwig. Barbie, directed by Gerwig, finished the weekend with more than a billion dollars in ticket sales at the global box office. This is according to Warner Brothers. No movie in the studio's 100-year history has sold so many tickets so fast. As of Sunday, Barbie had been playing in theaters for 17 days. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 was previously the fastest to a billion At 19 days, only about 50 films in history, unadjusted for inflation, have hit that billion-dollar mark. So the prevailing wisdom is that you typically need an action movie uh, to make that kind of money. The New York Times reports that Barbie, before Barbie was released, that even some Warner Brothers executives were challenging the wisdom of giving Gerwig so much money, about $145 million, to make this movie, but it's turned out to be a global success, Jill. Huge numbers in the U.S., obviously, but it's number one in the U.K., number one in Mexico. It's uh, gaining traction in China. And so it really translates um, around the world. And having finally seen it this weekend, you know, I, I understand. It really it, it provides a unique perspective from the Barbies themselves, from the real world. Uh, really well done. You mentioned that Gerwig now joins the sole director's billion-dollar club, We should note that three other billion-dollar blockbusters were co-directed 
by women. That includes Frozen and Frozen 2, which was co-directed by Jennifer Lee and Captain Marvel, which was co-directed by Anna Bowden. And as we've been talking about the Barbenheimer phenomenon, we should note Oppenheimer also continues to do pretty well. Uh, that film surpassed the $500 million sales mark in just the last few days. And finally, a quick reminder from ABC News, the Mega Millions jackpot expected to rise to $1.55 billion in the next drawing tomorrow. It is the highest ever pot for the lottery, topping its previous record of $1.53 billion back in October of 2018. No jackpot winning ticket was purchased with Friday night's numbers 11, 30, 45, 52, 56, and a gold mega ball of 20. So there is the annual option, Jill, but if you are the lucky winner tomorrow at 11 p.m. Eastern time, when the next drawing happens, the one-time jackpot, if you choose it, is up to $757 million. Of course, after that, the IRS will take its cut too, Jill. So the IRS is waiting for its jackpot once there's finally a winner here. All right, you know that sound. It is time for On This Day in History. This week, sponsored by Athletic Greens. We'll give you your fill of nutritious historical information in just a moment. We all know how hard it is to get all your nutrients. One way to try to get all of them is Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's easy, it's quick. It lets you get on your day knowing that you've gotten 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics to support your digestion and gut health. I first tried it starting last fall. They're offering a special deal right now for the Mo News community. And I'll tell you about all that uh, just after a bit of the historical facts here. All right, on this date in 1782, George Washington created the first U.S. military decoration, what he called the Badge of Military Merit. Today, we call it the Purple Heart. It was later awarded to three Revolutionary War soldiers for bravery in action. Staying with presidents here on this date in 1912, Teddy Roosevelt, who was the last former president to try to win back the White House after losing it, uh, was nominated for the presidency by what was called the Bull Moose Party. It was made up of a group of Republicans dissatisfied with the renomination of William Taft. And so Roosevelt, the first Roosevelt, uh, who served as president from 1901 to 1909, embarked on a vigorous third party run with the Bull Moose Party. He would end up losing to Woodrow Wilson, who benefited from Republicans splitting the vote there. Uh, notably, more than 100 years later, Donald Trump, after losing the presidency in 2020, is trying to uh, regain the White House, though for now, it appears he'll be able to do so as a Republican. He won't have to go to a third party, though nobody's ruling that out, depending on how this election goes. All right, on this date in 1974, 49 years ago, you might remember these famous photos. There was a high-wire artist named Philippe Petit, and he did a high-wire act between the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, uh, way up there. Uh, a remarkable, remarkable feat. A bit of sports marketing history for you today, Jill. Turning 35, the Just Do It campaign launched by Nike on this day in 1988. Moshe, I feel like they still use that campaign. Yeah, one of those remarkable, long-lasting things. I mean, there's, Nike has that iconic logo, has the iconic uh, phrase, Just Do It. Incidentally, the uh, man who's given credit for creating the Just Do It phrase actually just passed away a couple months ago. He was a, a longtime madman, you know, one of those Madison Avenue ad execs. And then Jill, one of my favorite duets in history, has a birthday today, 47 years ago. Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Ellen John and Kiki D. Reached number one on the Billboard charts. Don't Go Breaking My Heart. A great karaoke song for two people. 
Jill, I went to an Elton John show a couple of years ago as he was doing the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road tour over and over and over again. Uh, <laughs> the last and just draw. The, hits. <laughs> the Yellow Brick Road is a very long road. And just the number of hits that just came song after song after song. Just just a remarkable, remarkable amount of uh, amazing music that guy made. All right, as we conclude on this day in history, a reminder that it was brought to you today by AG1. They have a special deal right now for their daily nutritional supplement. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D, five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit drinkag1.com slash monews to take advantage of the offer. Again, drinkag1.com slash monews for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. We'll be your best friends forever and ever. Uh, follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Jill's going to have a lot of best friends. Jill, you're going to have a lot of best friends. Great. I'll take them. <laughs> uh, follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. We have more than a thousand five-star reviews over on Apple, Jill, and the countdown on Spotify, just a few before we hit a thousand over there. So get in there, you Spotify listeners. All right. Bye, everybody. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.